0: Let me read these verses here together. Titus 3, starting verse 12. When I send Artemis or Titus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need, and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you greet those who love us in the faith grace be with you all all right so today we're going to try and do two different things kind of summarize and wrap up uh, this whole series we did on Titus and then focus in on this section here where he talks about devoting ourselves to good works that actually came up a couple times already and we kind of Pass over it but are going to come back around and circle around to it and look at some of those other verses but to kind of circle in and and wrap up this section we talked about if if we wanted to summarize all of Titus there's really just two points, doctrine and obedience Uh, or you could say it differently knowing the truth and obeying the truth or um, say it a little bit differently again gospel belief and gospel living. Or, again, another way say the same thing, gospel proclamation and gospel application. So, all those are similar ways to say the same thing, but the idea is that we need to know truth and obey it. We need to know who God is, how we can be right with him, and then we need to apply what we know about God, what he's said in the church, chapter 1, in our personal lives, in terms of where, wherever we are, older men, younger men, older women, younger women, chapter, chapter 2, and then in really how we interact with the lost world, uh, That's whether that's a government or whether that's just an individual. Chapter 3, that's an oversimplification of Titus, but I think that does justice to most of it. And the re- reality is, is that in each one of those chapters, he talks about God who he is and what he's done for us he brings in Christ how he saved us from our sins how that affects us and then how we live that out and there's obviously some overlap there Um, some of those actually bleed into one another in terms of the chapter divisions aren't that clear but it's a good summary I think um, for trying to take two minutes to summarize it and so as we wrap this up I want to hit specifically, this is the second of the two points, we've talked, we did a whole series here on of messages on the gospel, the different aspects that come up in chapter three, where he gives his longest section on Christ, what he's done for us, and we spent quite a while on that, and then let's wrap up here the way Paul wraps it up, by uh, exhorting us to then obey, to affect our life, to apply it to our life, and so... To start, I want to just highlight some of the other sections where he brings out this similar phrase of basically obedience, saying it in different ways. A lot of times, devoting ourselves to good works is one of the ways that it comes up. But, starting in chapter 1, when Paul first says this, he he says, this is verse 1, you can turn there if you want, but I'll read it to you. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. So you see that one piece, knowing the truth, which accords with godliness. That's the second piece that changes us, um, the application. Again, it comes up in te- chapter 2. Um, he, go, he talks about how God has saved us. Uh, I'll just go ahead and read these, starting in verse 11-ish of Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Again, we see these two pieces, we see what Christ has done for us in the gospel, and then we see how it changes our life. Um, He says... Specifically, people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. In chapter 3, we already read this last section, but it comes up again a little bit earlier, where he where he goes on to talk about what Christ has done for us, we how we used to be. Um, and then he specifically says, in verse 8 of chapter 3, This saying is trustworthy, talking about this whole section on the gospel. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. That's the same phrase there exactly, devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So, over and over he's saying the same thing, that here's what Christ has done for us. He saved us by his grace. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We can't, we can't earn it. But we've received it by faith in Christ. Now what do we do? We coast all the way to heaven. No. No. (laughs) He says, Devote yourselves to good works. That this truth of what Christ has done overflows out into our lives. And he says it in different ways. He says, Devoting yourselves to good works. He says, Godliness, which in many ways we could say is very similar. Um, And he says, People who are zealous for good works. So, all ways of saying this one idea of this changes our lives. This affects our actions and who we are. Um, godliness gets the idea of who you are more. It's like an internal thing. This is, we're like God in um, in that God is love. We, we are called to love. God is holy. We're called to be holy. And then in this later section, it's more of an outward focus. Devote yourself to good works. Do things. Um, be careful to devote yourselves to good works. He says it's something we need to learn in verse 14. We need to learn to do this. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. So a couple things I want to just point out here. First is, obviously we just talked about it, but the order. The order is very clear. We're saved by grace through faith. Before we've done anything good. We, it's not that we clean ourselves up, then we come to God. We covered this in the and we, when we talked about the gospel, but the order is very important, that we are saved by Christ. What he does changes us from the inside out, and out of an overflow of that, we live our lives, not to earn anything, not to uh, climb our way to heaven, but because we've already received everything that we could possibly want in Jesus. And now, out of the overflow of what he's done for us, we devote ourselves to good works. This same idea comes up in Ephesians For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's really clear in terms of the order. We're saved um, apart from works, but we're saved to do good works. God saved us for a purpose that we should walk in them, and he actually has prepared what he wants us to do. Then next second, I want to. That's the first thing: the order that it's grace, and out of an overflow of that, we're we're trying to live our lives out in light of that. The second thing I want you to notice is this word "devote," devote. And I would just we could just ask this question: If we hadn't read this passage, I probably should have asked this before I read it all, and just ask you: What are you devoted to? What does it mean to be devoted to something? Are there things where you're working, you're striving, you've got a goal and you're daily pursuing something? What are those things? I mean, the world, there's a lot um, that we're devoted to and things that aren't necessarily bad. Sports, you know, um, work, money. All those things are not wrong in themselves, but my question is, what are we devoted to today when you wake up tomorrow when you wake up what are you pursuing is it God is it something else he says that if in Titus 3 8 that the people of God might be careful to devote themselves to good works these things are profitable and excellent for people In 14, he says it just slightly differently. Devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So profitable, fruitful, I'm kind of um, using those as synonyms, I think. I think Paul's using them as synonyms to say there's going to be an effect. God's going to use this. God has a purpose for you in your life here. That if God wanted to, he could save a person and then rapture you right then, you know, Um, not that I believe in like the rapture of the saints or whatever, but not to go into that. But he could do it that way if he wanted. But you're still here in this world of suffering and difficulty. Why are you still here? God has a purpose for you in your own heart and life, but also for those around you. God put you here to love people. This isn't an easy world to live in, right? It's a world broken by sin and sickness and death and decay and relational friction and emotional Uh, turmoil because of sin's effect in our life. And we're here for a purpose. God has a plan for you. He, Like Ephesians says, he has works, good works, that he has prepared beforehand for you to walk in. That's an important deal. It's something for you to really think about and know. It's like, I'm here for a reason. And not only that, I'm in a difficult situation for a reason. All of us, because we're here in this sinful world, have varying levels and types of difficulties. And God could take you out of it if He wanted to, but he put you here for a purpose. It's kind of interesting here where he's talking about being devoted to good works. A lot of times it actually comes up, there's like this strange pattern that appeared, like as I looked at all these passages that I was not expecting to see. Remember what we talked about last week where he's talking about basically don't quarrel and all that? like don't be getting into these arguments. Instead, he follows it right right up with, um, well, actually, it's actually sandwiched by devote yourself to good works, don't get into all this quarreling, and then later on he, he, he follows it up with don't devote yourself to good works. And That actually comes up several times, the same idea in both Titus and in other letters of Paul where he's, he's contrasting devoting yourself to good works with um, things you shouldn't be devoted to. I'll give you a couple examples here. In chapter 1 of Titus, he says about Cretans, Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable and disobedient, unfit for any good work. So, he's talking here about devoting themselves to Jewish myths. And he's saying that, that what that leads to is they don't really know God, and they're not, they're not fit for any good work. And you see the connection again. Knowing God leads to this change in life. This is a, this is a negative example. They don't really know God. What they're actually devoting themselves to is myths, and it leads them to ungodliness. In Second Timothy, specifically, quarrels and controversies again come up in terms of what he's saying people are devoted to. Listen to this. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, to the ma- useful to the master. Listen to this phrase. Ready for every good work. So flee. Youthful passions... Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call, along, call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Really interesting that these are the very same kind of exhortations sandwiched together again. He kind of expands it more in Second Timothy. It's a longer letter there. But he basically says the same thing here. Devote yourself to good works. He kind of lists what those are specifically what he's thinking of, righteousness, faith, love, peace, pursuing these things, um, pursuing love, pursuing peace, pursuing faith, pursuing righteousness. And then he says, contrasting it, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Uh, So it's really interesting to me, and I think it's significant. If you just read Titus and you made the connection, well, I think these two are connected don't devote yourself to these secondary things and miss out on the really important things that God has to do, the good works that he has for you. It would be kind of like, ah, I'm not sure. It's like, is that really the connection there? There's not like a logical four word. like, a, But because it's connected in these other places in Paul, I think in his mind it really is related that we can take secondary things or, or other things and be, begin to devote ourselves to them and lose out on what God really has for us. Quarrels, controversies, foolish and ignorant controversies is the way he says it in Second Timothy. In Titus, he says it just slightly differently. Controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. That's another clue there that he is contrasting these. Profitable versus unprofitable. He says good works are profitable, quarrels are unprofitable. So there's some clues here. And I think that it's safe to say that we can all see how devoting ourselves to some of these lesser things, secondary things, could distract us from the important thing God has for us. When When there's something controversial and... You know, maybe you feel like somebody's right or somebody's wrong. It can suck up your time. You can become devoted to it. It's like, I'm going to set this right. I'm going to, whatever whatever way that looks for you, I'm going to get an argument. I'm going to get on Facebook. I'm going to you know, get on the internet and make sure everybody knows where I stand. And I'm going to make sure these other people know where they're wrong. That can really suck up your time. In fact, you could spend your whole life. If you want to devote yourself to that, you absolutely could. And you could pick your one issue or two or three or ten and literally devote your life to it. And this passage is saying, don't, right? Don't devote yourself to that. Focus on the main things. Focus on Jesus. Uh, Don't focus on genealogies. Don't focus on these uh, dissensions, these controversies. Focus on the main things and do what God has you to do. So you could just, we could ask ourselves this in a lot of ways. Is there anything that's robbing us of our devotedness to Christ, to what he has for us? We just have limited time here on earth, and we can only serve one master. You know, Jesus says specifically, you can't have two masters. You can only have one. And we just want to be obedient. We just want to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? I'm willing, and I'm ready to do it. I think that should be an encouragement here to us. This is the third thing I want you to notice here about this section. Just the simplicity he's giving for every Christian here. You know, remember, this is a letter. We see this, you know, where he's talking about Titus and, and how he, where he's going. And, and we see, are reminded again, this is just Paul writing to this church and churches in Crete, specifically to Titus, getting them, this is what I want you to do here. Uh, set up elders. Make, make sure people understand the gospel. Make sure they understand what it means to be a godly husband, father, wife, daughter servant. All these things. What does it mean? And it's not a long letter. And it's a pretty simple letter. He says the same thing kind of over and over, repeated. He's writing this letter to a people coming from this very strange and wicked culture. And what is it that he writes? What's going to transform and change everything? For the individual but also the context who God is what is the gospel and obedience very simple for every person whether you're a slave like he's talking about he's writing even to slaves here in in the Roman context all the way up to somebody who is in Philippians he talks about you know those in the Praetorian Guard the answer is the same for everyone wherever we are what does God want from us to know him, to be right with him, and to obey him. Very, very simple. It's nothing nothing uh, that you need to memorize in terms of an encyclopedia. You don't need to be an expert. You don't need to get a PhD. Know God, be right with him through faith, and obey him. Very simple. And it's a big deal. I mean, that's what this whole section is saying. It's a really big deal for you just to simply say this. Whatever God wants me to do, I'm just going to obey him. That's huge. That's, that's, a, that's no small thing. It's a huge thing. Just to simply say this, I'm going to obey God. God, what do you want me to do? I'm going to do it. And I'm going to devote myself to that, to the good things that you have for me to do, whatever it is. Were his workmanship, as Ephesians 2 says, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in Him. Wherever God put you, He's got something for you to do. And it's, it's a huge, momentous, heavenly miracle that you can just say, I want to obey God, and I'm whatever you have me to do, I'm going to be devoted to that. Wherever God has put you, that's where He wants you. Every day we can be looking, God, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to encourage today? Where do you want me to stand for truth today? What would you have me to do with my time today? Who do you want me to love today? How can I trust you today? But to have it settled in our mind, I'm going to obey God. No matter what, I'm going to obey God. That's a big deal. I'm going to read you a verse here from Acts. You know, it's interesting to me Okay, in Samuel it talks about David being a man after God's own heart. It says that. David a man after God's own heart. What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? Well, It doesn't actually say exactly in Samuel. But in Acts, they describe what it means for David to be a man after God's own heart. At least one one of the big pieces of it. And this is in Acts 13.22. It says this. And when he removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found... In David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. What does that mean? Who will do all my will? Who will do what I want? Just simply this who will obey me? Who will obey? Wow. That's kind of encouraging, really. <laughs> I mean, if it, David, a man after God's own heart, meant you're overflowing with emotion, and you, whenever you hear, you know, remember when David's walking down the street and then he takes off his. He's just wearing that uh, one uh, less modest robe, and he's dancing down the street. If that's what it means to be a man after God's heart, that'd be kind of discouraging. It's like, man, my personality's not like that. <laughs> I'm not exuberant, you know. I'm not um, shouting in the back, jumping up and down, and just saying, "I can't, just can't help it." <laughs> you know, uh, that's not me. But you know what it is? Is he just simply said, "I'm going to do what God wants. Who will do all my will? Just God, whatever you want, I'll do it." Every person can say that. God, wherever you're at, whoever you are, whether you're mom, husband, father, wherever you're at, high or low, young or old, you can say this, God, I want to do what you want. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a wonderful thing. It's wonderful that it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. And what did God promise? I mean, there's an implicit promise in this section, that we won't be unfruitful. To help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So here he specifically is giving one another example of what it, good works could be, is helping cases of urgent need. You know, seeing someone in need. Like James says, how if you see somebody in need and you come, somebody come to you who's hungry and you say, well be warmed and filled and bless them and they leave, that's not, that's not helping them. Um, that's not the real deal that we should actually help not just say oh you're hungry that's i'll pray for you It's so actually if we have the opportunity we have the means help them help cases of urgent need but then look at the promise here and not be unfruitful and not be unfruitful there's a promise here of fruitfulness of usefulness again it's similar in earlier on in the section in 338 these things are f Excellent and profitable for people. That as we decide simply this, God, I'm going to obey you. When something, when a good work crosses my path, when when you've given me something to do that's good, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to obey you in that. That that's going to be useful and profitable and fruitful. What an encouragement to go through life knowing, well, God put me here. God has a plan. He's the one that set up these good works for me to walk in. And he's not going to let them be unfruitful. The reason he put me here is there's an opportunity. There's a lot of opportunities where we don't see the fruit, right? There's been a lot of times where, you know, I, you know, you see the homeless guy on the side of the road and they've got the sign and and you just don't know, like, is this, or even there's been times where I've really felt like I maybe I actually didn't do good here. <laughs> I tried to do good, but I think I maybe empowered the the wrong thing, you know. But I can trust the Lord. It's like God. I'm trying to walk in obedience. I don't. I know that I don't always do it the best way. Um, when I when I try to help people, when I try and do the right thing, I don't always do it the best way. And I'm learning and I'm growing as I'm as I'm living. I hope uh, I'm doing better now than I was. But the reality is, God is not saying if you do it perfectly, you're going to be fruitful. He just simply says, be ready for to obey when good works come. Are, I place before you, do them and it won't be unprofitable and that's an encouragement and a promise for us Proverbs 14 says something similar to this do not they who go go astray who devise evil those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness What we could paraphrase that I'm going to paraphrase that proverb okay One way to get off the path, think of ways to do evil. But if you think and imagine ways to do good, you'll meet steadfast love and faithfulness. God's going to help you. Use your imagination. God has given you an imagination. It's like, well, what good thing, God, could you have me to do today? And imagine it. You know, we, as sinful people, use our imagination on a lot of things that probably aren't good. Like, wouldn't my life be better? What would be better if I had this thing? like scrolling through Amazon or or whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah, I can imagine having that and, you know, feeling good or whatever. Um there's a uh there's so many things or Im- imagining what how your life could have been better if you had known what you know now in the past, you know, or imagining I hey, if only I had taken this major in college or, or whatever. That's all fine. I I'm not saying, you know, I'm just saying don't dwell on those things. But there's a promise For blessing, if you use your imagination to think, God, what's something good I could do? What's a good thing you could have me to do for this person, or just in general, or for this group of people, or to help my wife, or to help my husband, or to encourage this person? There's a blessing there, and God will help you. There's opportunities all around us. For meaningful service to God. God. And there's a promise of fruitfulness in it. Now, this message is kind of a conglomeration of kind of three kind of things. So the summary, okay, this, that we just talked about, devoting ourselves to good work, and then I'm just going to kind of wrap this up where he kind of ends with this. Goodbye here in verse 15. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Again, two things here just to point out. Greet those who love us in the faith. There should be love between those who are trusting the Lord. And we want to love one another. And we're not perfect, but we can ask the Lord, help me. You know, when we feel impatient or when we don't love people, we can just confess that to God. God, I know I don't love this person like I should. I know when they share their burdens or... or, difficulties on what's going on in their life I don't feel like I would if it was my own daughter or wife there's a distance there there's less love, I'm less concerned I'm I'm less loving would you fill me with love and help me and forgive me there's a lot of things going on in people's life and just naturally somehow the closer people are to us we, it's easy to enter in you know. but we're family here we're family in the Lord and we want to love one another and not just around here but even as we pray for like the people in Nigeria or Dan Sim and these people just that are far off. We want to love them. We want to really love them. Um, and so we can ask the Lord help us to be those who love others in the faith. We want to love. And then finally I, this way he closes this is grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. It's actually kind of a good way to close this particular message on obedience and good works because it's like anybody fall short this week (laughs) right grace be with you all there's grace we're not going to be perfect you're not going to do everything perfect you're going to sin you're going to mess up and you know what there's grace god's there to forgive you and help you and tomorrow's a new day and you're still god's child despite your imperfections and failures and faults and sins Confess it, receive forgiveness, and move forward, and devote yourselves to good works. Try and help the guy, you know, as best you can on on the side of the road with the sign if you have time. And if it doesn't go good, say Confess it. Ask for forgiveness. Ask God to help you do better the next time. Try and do good. Try and encourage somebody. There's many times when I've wanted to encourage somebody and inadvertently discourage them. It's like, i put my foot in my mouth, I said the exact wrong thing. God, help me to be better. Forgive me, teach me, grow me, and help me to press on. You know, Paul says in Galatians, don't grow weary of doing good. Don't grow weary of doing good. This is my paraphrase, but, but basically, you're going to be fruitful. I can't remember exactly word for word how he says it, but he again promises the fruitfulness. That God, you will bear fruit if you press on. God's going to help you. And so as we kind of close this section on Titus, grace be with you all is a, is a great blessing to pray over one another. Grace. Grace be with you. There's, you know, we covered a lot here in Titus, lists of things we should do and be, in, and we all fall short. But we can look to the Lord asking for help with a heart that just says, God, I'm going to obey you. Whatever you ask, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. That's not easy. It's not going to be um, comfortable. Right? God's going to... The vast majority of times when you do the most good, it's not comfortable. (laughs) There's very, at least for me, there's been many times where I've had to just pray to God, like, God, I would like to help people and, and it just be um, trying to do good people. And it, they receive it as good and it's really convenient and they appreciate me and I appreciate them and everything goes perfect. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like that. There's a, there's a lot of messiness, but nonetheless, we're going to say, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what you want. When I fall, I'm going to ask for forgiveness and I'm going to press on. I'm going to devote myself to good works. We could just ask the Lord. I mean, this verse, Proverbs 14:22, 22, is, is a good kind of verse for our life. Those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. Uh, Paul says, it, well, actually it might not be, Paul. that we should encourage one another today, every day. Encourage the brethren. And we could just ask the Lord to help us. God, give us creative, clear, helpful things that we can do to encourage one another. Maybe it's something different every day, or maybe it's something like, God, you said that we should encourage one another while it's called today. So would you help me to encourage somebody every day? Whether that's just to text somebody, you read your Bible, you read a verse that's encouraging, say, I'm going to text somebody and pray, God, you asked me to encourage somebody every day. It's Today's a day. And this is the verse that I was encouraging. Who can I text this to today? Just one person. Or maybe that's not your thing. Maybe it's something else. I'm just throwing something out there, but just ask the Lord and pray. How can I apply this to my life? What's one way that I can really be devoted to good works? How can I love the brethren? How can I avoid these controversies and focus on the good works God has for me? Kind of final word there's a lot of moms, you know, here, stay at home moms. It's like, think about the encouragement all this is specifically for you. It's like, it's not easy to stay at home with the kids, you know. And it can feel tiresome, tedious. And what does this say about you? God put you there for a purpose. He's going to help you. He's going to, if you just decide I'm going to obey God, you're not always going to do it perfectly. There's going to, but there's going to be grace and there's going to be fruit. And God's going to honor that. And he's going to meet you with steadfast love and faithfulness where you are. That's the good news. I mean, you could say that to everyone, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're out working or whatever, wherever you are. God's there with you. God's there to help you. Let's pray together. Lord, we do want to just be devoted to good works, and we just pray that you'd help us to do it in whatever way. Each one of us will probably be different um, how you want us to do that, but pray you'd guide us by your Spirit individually, um, to do what you'd have us to do, to love one another, to care for you, uh, your people, to care for your people, and the world around us. We want to love people. We want to help cases of urgent need. I pray you give us wisdom on how best to do that. I pray you'd help us just with things that distract us from the things you want us to do. I pray you'd help just um, pry our hands off those things to let those things go, and Give us clarity on what's most important. Thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that you love us. Help us just to obey you and to have a heart to obey you. We want to have a heart. We want to be like David, a man after your own heart, or a woman after your own heart. Pray you to help each one of us where we are to do that. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us making any of this possible through your death. Pray you to empower us by your spirit today. We ask these things in your name. Amen.